Wesley Snipes is an artist, Sam Raimi's best superhero movie, and Kirsten Dunst brings it on this week on 30 Welcome, everyone, to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine celebrating the greatest anniversaries of movies, television, uh, video games, music, and so very much more. I got to nail down this intro. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? Burr, it's cold in here. Must be Diana Goodman. <laughs> <laughs> it's me, Sarah, talking about my birthday 30, 20, and 10 years ago. Oh, that's right! Hey! It's Sarah's birthday week. Um, I Yes, I got to work on that. Oh, my God. So much to do. Uh, I also got to say, uh, it's a little bit of a tease. You could look up ahead and like cheat on 30, 20, 10, but don't do that. We're celebrating uh, what came out 30, 20, and 10 years ago, the week of August 21st through the 27th. And my little tease for you is that uh, this week may have spawned the most straight-to-video sequels of any week I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it, it, yes. All of it pretty unassuming. You wouldn't have guessed this, these movies would have done that. Uh, but yes, there's so many fun movies to talk about. Especially, it's just in top loaded, in my opinion, uh, in this segment, and some great games, some really weird television. Oh, I cannot wait to get to it. But of course, we're talking about August 21st to 27th, 1990, 2000, and 2010. Uh, a wonderful top pop culture time machine in three parts. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. 1990. We'll start us off with a little bit of news to bring us all in. Oh, right at the bat, I should also say that. Uh, this show is executive produced by Randy Craven and many other fine people at patreon.com slash laser time. Uh, five bucks just to support this show uh, and the entire laser time network means the world to us. Uh, it helps us get, it helps us compensate ourselves for our time, especially on our, our other shows, laser time and uh video game apocalypse. We, and we, for patrons exclusively right now, we have a mega size 30, 2010 games episode with special guest, Chris Baker. Holy shit. I can't believe he has 20 year old press stories. Let's in this episode, you'll hear about how, Regis Philbin made the cover of the official PlayStation magazine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> How did oh that happen? God. This, uh, I say, this episode, we have so many, so many movies. Like, I had to yeah. double check dates. Like, why are there so many movies? And so many of them are hidden gems. Yes. Yeah, agree. Yeah. Agree. Definitely. And I, so many that, like, I had a really hard time getting through them. But there's one that I just really wanted to celebrate. A couple I really wanted to celebrate, actually, because every one of them is pretty pretty damn cool. Uh, on the 24th of August 1990, to wade you into the world of 1990, Armenia declares independence from the USSR. Happy Yay. day! Are they close to being seized again? I have no idea what's happening to our Eastern European no. brothers and sisters. No, they've mm. been good. Okay. Armenia is one of those countries where it's just like all through history, all they've been done, all that's happened to them is them getting just crushed by their neighbors. Mm. They're kind of like Poland and Ukraine that way, where it's just like you're stuck between Russia and Turkey. You're going to have a lot of problems. Right. They have one of the larger and, genocides, I believe. Oh, yes. Yes, yeah. they yes they did. So mm. finally, independent Armenia again. Yay. Hooray. Good on you, Armenia. And good on you, Judas Priest, as a judge rules that Judas Priest is not responsible for two Nevada teens that tried to shoot themselves after listening to the album. Uh, that was a yep. sad tale. Uh, they, they, they didn't yeah. die or they didn't die right away? One died right away because uh, mm. they got drunk. They went to a playground, a 20-year-old and 18-year-old, and one shot himself and died. And then the other one shot himself and really just blew his face off. Oh. Um, 
I hate to bring this up, but Preacher, the character Arseface, that's wow. based on this guy. A guy who's blown his face off so badly that he's... Oh my goodness. Yeah. I was going to make a oh. happier Edward Norton and Fight Club reference, but goodness gracious. Yeah. Uh, but So, yeah, their parents sued and they said that there was a subliminal message, uh, specifically in the song Better By You Better Than Me, that whispers do it. I, I've seen and that some that's... VH1 documentary so many times. They make Rob Halford sing that on the stand. It's one of the weirdest <laughs> moments ever. And that's the only, I've never heard the song, only that part. And it's not just a hooray for a lack of censorship. Like, these people were full of shit. Like, this didn't say that at all. Like, it like it said do it, but, like, not kill yourself. I mean, maybe yeah. do it meant cut bangs. Yeah, let's sue Nike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe it means wear a mask and stay inside. Do it. Yeah. Uh, maybe even if they said, you, James, should kill yourself right now. I, I feel like that's maybe not even actionable. I tweet something yeah. similar to the president every day. I mean, not unless there's someone's girlfriend who's telling him to kill himself over text message. Yeah. That is mm. actionable, apparently. Mm. Is it really? Okay. All yeah. Right. Let's see if I can delete some ago. of those. Um, and moving into the movies of 1990, August 21st to the 27th. Oh, I love this movie so much. Um, and I love how Diana listed up the cast. Akira Kurosawa, Akira Tereo, and Martin Scorsese as Vincent Van Gogh. Uh, yeah, this I, I I found this on a smaller movie channel, and I was incredibly high. And this movie mm. freaked me the fuck out, and I chased it down, and it became a semi regular for me while I drug. Yeah, this would be a, a pretty good movie to watch high. Like, honestly, Akira Kurosawa's Dreams. Yeah, it's a it's a string of eight uh, just vignettes, and it's. Mm -hmm. Loosely related, that I, I was reading about what they are all supposed to mean. And I'm like, I didn't get that out of it. Well, whatever. It's just like it's just one. It's it's one of Kurosawa's last films, and mm -hmm. a, a beautiful story of Steven Spielberg and George Lucas going to bat for Kurosawa hard and getting Warner Brothers to pony up the money for this. And uh, I, I think it's fantastic. And it's if if you're that opening sequence of the fox wedding, the foxes that come. Well, there are people who are dressed like foxes. Slowly walking through the woods while having a very, very somber wedding. Man, that soldier being confronted by a horde of dead other dead soldiers. It's just mm. there's so many haunting images in this film, but it's not, you know, like a long single narrative. And it's it's very, very strange. And it seems like I don't know, kind of I don't want to say director spinning his wheels. It's like I just I want to film a bunch of different stuff. I don't want to come up with a whole yeah. movie. And yeah, it, uh, I I've got a couple little stories I want to tell with just incredible imagery, but it's not necessarily a plot. So, uh, yeah. And also he's Kurosawa. He's a goddamn master and let him do what he wants. It's, it's strange to think that the, the, the that they overlap that Kurosawa had, <laughs> had George Lucas's industrial light and magic work on effects for their movie, but this yeah. happens in dreams. Yeah. And oh, and it pays off to that. Mm -hmm. That sequence just kills me because it's about Vincent van Gogh. Who's, mm -hmm played by Scorsese and uh, a guy like walking through Wheatfield with crows, which is one of his last paintings. And just, yeah, they use effects so he can just walk through Van Gogh artwork, which is oh, so cool. <laughs> uh, I thoroughly recommend it. And obviously it's hard to find a clip from cause it's all in Japanese, but um, yeah. uh, also out this week after dark, my sweet great title sounds terrible. Uh, Jason Patrick, Rachel Ward, Bruce Dern, and Rocky Giordani. Never yeah, I I was like, okay, well, that's a pulpy title. Is this going to be like a pulpy movie? And the answer is, oh, fuck yes, because oh. it's based on, uh, what's his name? Jim Harrison, mm -hmm. who also did um, 
the killer inside me that we talked about, uh, but also the grifters and the getaway. And he's like Mr. Gritty Pulp guy. And this got really good reviews. Mm -hmm. It got buried. Nobody fucking saw it. And since then, it's kind of a cult classic. Like I saw it pop up on a lot of like the greatest movies you've never heard of mm -hmm. kind of things of like this nails that neo-noir pulp, you know, kind of like aimless drifter wanders into situation with woman who's trying to kill her husband and gets wrapped up in intrigues at Mordor. Ooh. <laughs> and there was so much to cover. I feel really bad that I skipped this one because this sounds like super right up my alley. And yeah, reviews were all really good. I'm, huh. I'm so shocked. This after any... Dark My Sweet, please put in the comments or something uh, to yell at us for not I'm as shocked it. as anyone that Diana pushed all our chips onto Delta Force 2. <laughs> <laughs> the Colombian Connection or Operation Stranglehold. Chuck Norris, Billy Drago, John P. Ryan, blah 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 blah. Chuck Norris movie. Chuck Norris and the Delta Force want you. And you. And especially the international crime cartel. America's maximum assault force is back in action. Chuck Norris, Delta Force 2, Operation Stranglehold. Rated R. <laughs> this has a lot of uh, different names. Uh, uh, just, yep. Uh, it's We're past the 80s, but damn it, no, we're not. Yeah, yeah. The, the couple of these things here <laughs> feel real 80s. This is, I don't know, what took you four years to follow up a Chuck Norris movie after Delta Force? He made 18 movies that are exactly the same. And this movie is so goddamn the same. I was I love reading criticism on it. It's like it was this is a screenplay for a completely different movie. Like, let's just make it Delta Force too. Like, mm. yeah, why not? It doesn't fucking matter. Who cares? It's a Chuck Norris movie. Shit. Yep. And uh from our friends at Canon Films, and I wish I loved these still. It's just they're so boring. It's one thing to be, be cheesy and formulaic, but like they're not even overly violent. I hate Delta yeah. Force. There's there's <laughs> always a drag in the middle before you get to the big. There's always a big dumb opening, drag, big dumb closing. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Even though I think did I see Salamanca die in that trailer? Um, anyway. yeah, yeah, Mark Margolis. There he is, man. Tio Salamanca. And, um, yeah. Now I wasn't going. There, a lot of things. I had to weigh, do I watch something that I've never seen or do I rewatch something to reappraise it? Mm -hmm. And the next one I needed to rewatch to reappraise. Did you? Because in 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 the Generation X pantheon mm -hmm. of uh let's let's say guys, just yeah. heartthrobs. I think we split into two separate categories. You got your John Cusack fans and you got your Christian Slater fans. <laughs> really? Okay. They're Christian Slater yeah. fans? Okay. Oh, back in the day. I mean, he's the guy that like, he's between this and Heather's. Yeah. You know, he's, he's the, the yeah. bad boy of the two. He's the, the anti-authoritarian guy. Yeah. It's like smoking and mouthing off to his parents. And so I had to rewatch Pump Up the Volume because I wanted to see how does it hold up? Because back in the day, it was like, it's like the follow-up to Heather's. It's like, yeah, mm -hmm. screw the system. Ah, it's like over the edge or something. Ah, I, dude, I was I was planning adults. to program a double feature with Over the Edge in this. Uh, yeah, when if this shit ever goes away, I, it's That's all a I can think of. Great double feature. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. I, I did well. I uh, I saw this in 1990, and then I saw it again in my early 30s, and I was like, my mind was blown by Samantha Mathis and Christian Slater and Pump of the Volume. It's, a, it's an incredibly not embarrassing uh, yeah. look at youth and uh, youth culture in 1990. Mm -hmm. 
Guess who? He's the guy who lights up the night. They say that I am deluded. He's got a pirate radio station. Dimension. Hallelujah. Christian Slater. Pump up the volume. Rated R. Now- it, it's unbelievably rated R. Oh, yeah. No, language. We, and nudity. It's language. a little, and, a little and nipple. Yeah. We watched this this weekend because this is one one that Sam had really liked when he was younger. And then he was like, mm, we should probably revisit this. And I had no idea what it was. And we both enjoyed the heck out of it. I, I think yeah. it's fantastic. And it's something yeah. it. I wish there was a better way for like young people to see this movie. Because it's like, I, I, I know young people are super plugged in and like they care about bigger causes now. And it's not just about being bored in the suburbs. But it mm. conveys like a general hopelessness that i think is kind of eternal with yeah. uh, youth culture yeah this absolutely nails it i mean one thing i was struck by watching it and like they just said uh, the point is christian slater lives in super boring suburbs and he starts a pirate radio station uh where he you know uh both is just like crude and also is you know railing against the boredom of the suburbs and and all the pressure put on teenagers by society and it becomes kind of like this little mini yeah. like cult following a local uprising sensation. Um, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And what what hit me is I think this was ahead of its time. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's ahead of its time because like we talked about 1999 as being like the year of the disaffected yeah. man fighting society. And, you know, with Fight Club or being John Malkovich or Office Space or The mm-hmm. Matrix. And here we have nine years earlier. And it's a very similar feeling. Mm-hmm. And also it's ahead of its time because the the at the end, the kind of the point of it is like teenagers, you need to express yourself. Like yeah. your your feelings have merit and you need to express them. Mm-hmm. How long till live journal? Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, definitely. And also it is it ahead of its time in addressing the way that in a, in a much smaller part of the story, the way that uh, certain suburban schools manipulate things yeah. in order to that's, continue yes. to that's, be that, seen as elite. That little side part of the story, like it's not a huge part of the story, but it and at the end it kind of explodes. It's so good. Like it kind of took me by surprise. It's written and it's in, something that happens, I'm sure, a lot. It's written, now. written and directed yeah, by Alan now. Moyle, who I've only other movie I've seen of his is uh uh Empire Records, which is well, the, he's usually busy doing brushes. <laughs> Moyle, I get it, but uh, apparently that's something that happened at his school, and mm. and that his his yeah. principal got caught doing. And I'm not surprised. And like, yeah, if you feel fucked, sometimes you are getting fucked. Um, yeah. I'm not surprised well, because that's such a specific thing that only that someone that it would have happened to could bring that story about. You know, like it's a very specific story of what happened. Right. At that school. Yeah, the idea of the the school coming up with dumb reasons to expel low-performing kids so that their test scores look good and they just don't give a shit about, well, they're losers anyway, Mm -hmm. as opposed to following their obligation to uh, help the losers. Or maybe they're not losers. Maybe they just dress as punks, but who knows what their grades are like. Indulge me. I grabbed a little clip just because I I know a ton of people haven't seen this movie, but I just, like, I love the the little clips of Christian Slater talking to his fellow disinfected teens. Dear Harry... I think you're boring and obnoxious and have a high opinion of yourself. Of course, some of you are probably thinking I sent this one to myself. I think school is okay if you just look at it right. I mean, I like your music, but I really just don't see why you can't be cheerful for one second. I'll tell you since you asked. Uh, Letter just arrived in this stupid suburb. I have no friends, no money, no car, no license. And even if I did have a license, all I could do was drive out to some stupid mall 
Maybe if I'm lucky, play some fucking video games, smoke a joint, and get stupid. You see, there's nothing to do anymore. Everything decent's been done. All the great themes have been used up, turned into theme parks. So I don't really find it exactly cheerful to be living in the middle of a totally, like, exhausted decade where there's nothing to look forward to and no one to look up to. That was deep. <laughs> it's like every time it like it's going a little too far, it pulls back with something humorous. Mm-hmm. It's I, I'm surprised how not cheesy any of this is. How yeah. much of that like that in that one minute clip encapsulates every way I felt as a teenager, and how yep. other parts of that clip encapsulate how I feel right now, and why mm-hmm. I could would absolutely understand why young people feel that way. And yeah, and I, I was really expecting to just cringe at this because yeah this this was a movie that was like yeah this movie understands mm-hmm. being a teenager fucking sucks and i was expecting to just be embarrassed for myself instead i was like holy shit like they actually tapped into something that i think will still resonate with teenagers yeah. mm-hmm. and all, and like little details to this like oh that's probably why i relate to this more than i thought there's a very minor detail that his parents used to be hippies and now yes. they're sellouts yes. yeah. <laughs> and i was like mhm i recognize that grateful dead poster you fucking sellout and a fantastic soundtrack for fuck's sake like oh, I, oh, I, I, yes. listen, I listen to the soundtrack more than i watch this movie okay and i kept an eye out looking cuz he's got all these tapes and all these records mm-hmm. that he's playing and now that we've done the music like chronologically on this show for the last couple of years, I could see like, oh, they they were ahead of the curve, man. Yeah. They had Soundgarden. They had a Soundgarden tape before most people had heard of yeah. Soundgarden. Concrete Blonde before Rick and Morty. Uh, and wow. Pixies yeah. and Descendants and, uh, and Ice-T and an unreleased Beastie Boys track that they call out in the movie as being unreleased. It's yeah. It's it's fucking, I don't know. This movie's great. So like, and the, it is. the drama comes from uh, somebody calls into his show threatening suicide and he was trying to help but like not very hard and he doesn't take he really doesn't think this guy's gonna do it yeah he doesn't think he's gonna do it and the guy he tries, does he calls his bluff and he wasn't bluffing so this attracts the attention now the adults are on to this pirate radio station and after dj slater and it's fucking interesting how do you mm-hmm. keep your how, how do you keep your pirate ship afloat on the radio and he's one step ahead. Every part of this is like compelling. It's a time capsule. It's evergreen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I really 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 like this. And every he falls every- in love with a library girl, yeah. which I love. Mm-hmm. And also too, like it really nails that in between feeling of being a teenager, where mm-hmm. you are starting to have adult thoughts and feelings, but you still don't have the emotional capacity to deal with things as a grown-up like it really shows in the way that he deals with the suicide of this student like you know that's a really hard grown-up thing to happen and for a while he's play acting like he's an adult and then something like this happens and you realize like how unequipped you are as a teenager to deal with stuff like this Mm -hmm. and i really appreciate that yeah. Getting into that in between feeling as a teenager, because man, that's rough. Yeah, when yeah. you're a kid. And also, I, I appreciate it doesn't just uh, address the burnouts and weirdos like mm-hmm. me. You know, I thought one of the most interesting characters is like the Goody Two Shoes, mm-hmm. who's mm-hmm. just feels so much pressure to be perfect, and she just snaps. And it's like the one thing that was missing was she never confronts her dad. Mm. who seems to be where most of that pressure is coming from. She Mm -hmm. just sort of generally rebels. 
And it's like, I'm always with stuff like that. It was like, oh, no, no, focus. This a good conversation. But then the problem is the good conversation when you're a teenager, you're not taken seriously, mm -hmm. even when you're right. When you're like, something is wrong with this school. Yeah. I'm right. And it turns out, yes, you are right. Yeah, this 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 movie deserves more eyes. Can I ask how you guys watched it? Because I was infuriated with my options. Uh, well, in the spirit of pirate radio, I pirated it. There, it, <laughs> it doesn't exist. It it's not streaming anywhere. It's not. Nope. It, it, there's no other option. So yeah. I, I, I thought if I can make this happen, it might have to be a low res version. Patrons at Patreon.com/slash/LaserTime will get a copy of certain movie. Um, hmm. at the five dollar level and a big ass show, so that's 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 the best thing. Like I don't know, it feels shady to do, but like fuck this. Why is this movie not available? This movie's fantastic. Yeah. Pete, more yeah. eyes should be on this for sure. Yeah, it's it's not yep. it's not even controversial. It's mm -hmm. it it's it, but it's wonderfully yep. authentic. It holds up re really well, especially for something with Christian Slater in. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, like I said, man, but this and Heather's man. Yeah, he was my guy. Yeah, he's like. I hate that uh, Sarah had to throw that true romance thing in there, and I have to call this my third favorite Christian Slater movie. But it's like it's Ooh. like this and nothing. Uh, I this movie's fantastic. Check out, please check out, pump up the volume. And last, God, last but not least, like uh, oh man, oh, man. Speaking of discoveries, oh, I have never seen this movie. Oh, you hadn't. And I Same I had here. never seen the number one of the box office movie, even though it's got all people I like and it's directed by one of my favorite directors. Uh, because I thought it looked cheesy. And then I watched it and it was cheesy it in the best possible yeah. way. On purpose. Oh mm -hmm. my God. I love this movie now. Mm -hmm. On purpose. It, it seems that Raimi's desperate to make a superhero movie, but getting kicked out of the offices of, that's not exactly the case, but it, he wanted to make Batman and the shadow. And, and I, he kind of, well, he definitely made the shadow with this. Yeah. And like, no, and was like, no, nah, we don't think so. So he just said, fuck it. And created his own superhero vehicle. And it's, it's, Pretty perfect. It, yeah. like, I love superhero movies, but not having any pre-established baggage, it's fucking great. And, and so it, great. It's inspired. It's clearly kind of inspired by the same things Tim Burton is inspired by visually and tonally. But like, it's still it's a little happier. And uh, mm. uh, it's it's a a little it's not as ugly to look at as the first Batman, which again I love loved in my reappraisal. But yes, uh, Larry Drake, Colin uh, Friels, Francis McDormand, and uh, Liam Neeson in Darkman. Who is Darkman? I gotta tell you something about me. He has the power to look like any man. There's two of both of them! But he is unlike any man. I know who's behind our little troubles of late. In the darkest hour, there's a light that shines on every human being but one. Darkman, rated R. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, it's giving you major Batman feels because it's practically what? the same score from Danny Elfman. Oh, my Again. God. Again. Sam kept saying that while we were watching it. He's like, this sounds exactly like Batman. I was like, gotta yeah, be the same just, guy. Just like Dick Tracy was a uh, while yeah. back. It's like, yeah, yeah. It's like, well, he, he's just starting out and he's just sort of doing the one thing, but he does it <laughs> so well. What a different yeah. world we're in. Like Batman is this worldwide smash. And instead of like acquiring the closest comic property, and adapting it, just this is what comes of the Batman success, Darkman. This is like the best thing that comes out of Batman success uh, that they yeah. were willing to greenlight this original work from Sam Raimi, and it's just... yeah. It was previously his last movie was Evil Dead Two. Yeah, yeah. not exactly packing them in. <laughs> <laughs> 
not exactly for everyone. I mean, over the long term, sure. But like, this is, I think this might be the first Sam Raimi movie I saw where I like became aware of his name. And like, when you become mm. like a budding blockbuster nerd and you want to check out everything Sam Raimi's ever done. And this is, this is a real good place to start. It's uh, mm. very mainstream, very accessible. What do you think? Is it, is it violent? Too violent? No. No. It's gory. Um, it's a little gross mm-hmm. in times, you know. Yeah, I feel like the violence is kind of cartoon violence. Yes. Yeah. Um, in that, you know, Sam Raimi, he he loves his grindhouse and his schlock, mm-hmm. you know, and that's one of the things I love about him is that he can translate some of that aesthetic into bigger, fancier things. And so there's it, there's great moments of just schlock hilariousness. Yeah. My, it's, when, whenever when I- he, whenever Liam Neeson like rages out. It's amazing. Or hallucinates, uh, his... hallucinates himself in a jester hat. Uh, yeah. It's, it's my, one of my favorite shots of all time is that factory explosion <laughs> that turns him into dark man <laughs> in a flaming writhing body, like screams out of the top of the building, <laughs> up, n- not out the side, up to heaven. It looks great. <laughs> it, looks, it, looks great. it ascended. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I, oh, so, okay. So let's run down what, what this is about. Mm-hmm. So Liam Neeson, basically in his first starring role is a scientist who's working on like fake skin for mm-hmm. skin grafts mm-hmm. and his girlfriend, Francis McDormand, runs afoul of uh, evil mobster Larry Drake, who I just remember as the developmentally disabled guy from Law and Order or LA Law. So that was, that was weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so they blow up his Dr. lab Giggles. and he's super, super burned, which was kind of gory, but like they slowly reveal how fucked up his face is until yeah. the end. Mm-hmm. So I feel like you can adjust if you're a little kid. Well, um, and the effects though, of like what it like the practical effects, mm. the makeup effects that they do on him is so good. It was giving me mm. flavors of American Werewolf Ooh. because it is. Mm. I just love it, and it's very Sam Raimi. Yeah, yeah. So now his face is burned off. Everyone thinks he's dead, which really bad police work, by the way. Okay, <laughs> yeah. There's a big explosion, and that same night, a John Doe that's heavily burned washes up on the shore of the nearby river. Mm-hmm. Maybe check the print, maybe just check a blood test, something. I know DNA is a bit way off. There was on. no internet. What are we supposed to do? Yeah. Dental so, records, something. So they, they, they do some sort of experimental thing on him. So now he can't feel pain. It's the oddest superpowers of all time. <laughs> and he's super roided out. When he gets mad, he gets like super strength, sort of. He gets a, a, an and, adrenaline rush um, and he can't feel pain. Which somehow gives him this strength boost, and he can. His superpowers are that he can't feel pain, and he can make his face look like anybody. So. Well, right. and then he gets but really he, angry really easily. Yeah, yeah. But then, so he he uses his fake skin thing, which turns out it it works great for ninety minutes mm-hmm. if it's out of the light, right. and he uses that to disguise himself as bad guys and to, like fuck with them all so they can all kill each other. Pretty great. And, one of the weirdest things, though, is he makes himself his own face so he can go back to Francis McDormand and be like, I'm alive, mm-hmm. and I'll explain it to you later. Hey, want to have a date for a carnival? But I have to leave in exactly 90 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I can ride uh, one ride. <laughs> yeah. It's like I was really expecting them to do more with like the skin last when it's in the dark so that he would be like sneaking around the shadows because he could mm-hmm. be someone for uh, however long he wanted. But said no, he's like, ticking clock, 90 minutes. I'm going to run over here looking like that mob guy. Grab the briefcase full of money and run away. <laughs> little, Pretty much. He's a little prankster. Pretty much. Oh, my God. This movie was nuts. Yeah. I 
I was so such a pleasant surprise. Yeah, I, how I, baroque it is. Everything is big and operatic. He goes like he goes fan of the opera a couple times where it's just oh, like, yes. oh my it's very so fan of the love opera. It. Yeah, it, and I loved it. Mission Impossible 2 totally stole the whole beating up the person that you think is the the good guy and then he has the good guy's mask on it's really the bad guy underneath with his mouth taped yeah yeah this i mean to to in a little boy's world like this was fucking mind-blowing we wanted another batman <laughs> we didn't get exactly that but we got a rated r movie that not all of us could see so like in my world everybody was talking about this for an entire year and then i never heard about it again I, it, mm. I never saw it on TV and I had to like track it down myself. I, I got it on HD DVD and like, this is fucking excellent. Everybody should be singing the praises of this movie. It is I so much fun. I can't believe that it just kind of fell off the radar so much that I had never even heard of it until it's, it's the R rating doing research for the show. It's the R rating uh, probably. And it, it, like kind of limiting it to late night cable airings, heavily censored or not at all. Mm. Never seen it anywhere. I mean, I've seen, I've seen the, the direct-to-video sequels out there yes. every now and then. There are Dark two. Darkman 2, The Return of Durant, and mm. Darkman 3, Die, Darkman Die, or The Darkman The. The Darkman <laughs> uh, <laughs> Which no one has much nice to say about those. And that probably like added to my thinking that this was just like cheesy and dumb, as opposed to cheesy and great. Yeah. Yeah, well, and I wonder if it maybe suffers from the fact that people know Sam Raimi for Evil Dead, and mm. then Spider-Man. This is almost for the people who are really into Evil Dead. It's like maybe t a little too mainstream for mm. them to have like heard of it or gotten into it. And then mm. for people who don't really know Sam Raimi or Evil Dead, this is too out there for them to have known about it or gotten into it. So it's kind of in this like in between place, which it shouldn't be. It, it's really for everyone. I loved it. I thought yeah, it was I, so much I, fun. I love that it's in that in between place where it is like, oh, he's the director of Evil Dead Two and Spider Man. And you mash them together really hard. Yeah. This is exactly what you get. Yeah, yeah. perfect. He's also Thank in the you. middle of Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness. Like, man, I, I, hats off Universal for, like, allowing Sam Raimi to do any of this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And also, nobody talked. I mean, we talked about it last year. But, again, nobody talks about Drag Me to Hell enough. Like, just do a Sam Raimi, like weekend basically because drag me to hell is also really good and i just wanted to say that again even though we talked about it last year yeah he doesn't have a bad movie other than uh that wizard of oz one spider-man 3 and <laughs> yeah. uh but yeah seriously check out dark man if you can i see it's streaming if you subscribe to stars yep i found it through stars encore stars encore if you're really really good this is a pro tip um you can subscribe to those premium cable outlets on amazon and unlike mm -hmm. your cable company, you can really cancel them very fast before the trial, uh, before the free trial stops. It's not a hassle. It takes like two seconds. It's wonderful. I do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I do it. I will not pay for these premium channels. Uh, but moving into television, because it gets even weirder. Um, 1990 television, August 21st to the 27th. Ferris Bueller debuts a television show. With, <laughs> with, uh, starring in the Matthew Broderick role, Charlie Schlatter. Uh, and then a massive trade-up, Jennifer Aniston. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, early Jennifer Aniston as, oh, what's Jeannie? As Jeannie Bueller. And what uh, Diana or Sarah describes as the oh, yeah. laziest theme song of all time. Ferris Bueller! Ow! It only has one lyric. Ferris Bueller! 
<laughs> wow. Just so terrible. What? Like the cheapest the shit. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, and I think the it, visuals it, are really lazy. You don't watch. You don't watch Ferris Bueller and think like. This looks expensive, but then like you see the show and like <laughs> God, this looks fucking cheap. And, and I, the critics pan this despite loving mm. the film, and it, I think it's interesting that they couldn't stop making comparisons to the then on the air Parker Lewis can't lose, which was oh about to debut. Parker yeah. Lewis can't lose. Yeah, so it's Parker, in a couple of weeks, which is yeah. like a deliberate Ferris Bueller ripoff. Even to, like they were marketing it as like you think Ferris Bueller's cool, see Parker Lewis, and but just a little more authentic. And if you Never heard the stories. This this show opens really bizarrely because uh, Ferris is always breaking the fourth wall and talking to the audience. Uh, here is your introduction to Ferris. Life is one damn thing after another. Mark Twain said that after he changed his name. I'm Ferris Bueller, and I've never changed mine. Once they put me up on the big screen, it was out of the question. But come on. Matthew Broderick as me? No way. He then takes out a full-size cardboard cutout of Matthew Broderick as Ferris Bueller and cuts it in half with a chainsaw. So, Ugh, gross. <laughs> it's, it's deliberately edgy, but I do admire, like, don't well, bother complaining about this. <laughs> I'm not Matthew Broderick. It's a different guy. Relax. I guess I appreciate that. <laughs> it's bold. No, I mean, it's... Yeah, it's bold. Instead of just being like, it's the continued adventures. Yes. I mean, it's a risk that just failed. Like, I mean, like, they just went the, too far into the meta. And it's, ugh, ugh, I don't like it. I, I just sort of thank God that, like, well, why didn't we get another Ferris Bueller something? It could have ruined everything. Like, what? Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's a perfect standalone. Totally. But, like, if, if not for John Hughes, who wouldn't have sequelized that? Anyway. Um, yeah. Also out this week on television, something I have never heard of, Jim Henson's oh, really? Mother Goose Stories. Yeah, it, uh, well, I wasn't born in England or with a subscription to the then-premium Disney Channel. So, mm -hmm. it, But it, I believe it's the first thing to come out with Jim Henson's name on it after his death. Uh, Mother, Mother Goose Stories, an English production that I think Disney Channel would air for a little while. And it's exactly what you think. Um, <laughs> video games for 1990 this week. Eh, how about Total Recall for NES? It's out during this period. Again, we'll talk way more about that. Patreon.com slash LazerTime. Who knows who will join us next time? But uh, as always, it'll be the Video Game Apocalypse boys, uh, Mr. Diana Goodman, Michael Parez, and Maddie Allen um, talking about all the video games that come out uh, for that month. Music of 1990. This Ooh. music week is oh, crazy. Wow. My God, you are not kidding, girl. <laughs> yeah, that... I'm just talking about the first one we're going to talk yeah, about. This uh, thing is a yeah. monster. Vision of Love by Mariah Carey, still number one. However, wow, No Fences by Garth Brooks uh, is out, which will go on to sell 18 million copies in the U.S. alone, and that is before box sets and re-releases. This God. is the Garth Brooks album. This is Thunder Rolls. Yeah. Mm. This is Friends yep. in Low Places. This, this, this is Unanswered yeah. Prayers. Is this the blue this one? This is the Garth Brooks. Is it the blue one? It's it's the blue one, right? It's not the one with the uh, checker outfit. <laughs> That'd be the chase. I know that. I know my Garth Brooks. And, and, and I'm sorry. All three of those songs are still fantastic. Like, yep. Thunder Rolls is so good. I still, mm -hmm. like, gives me chills. Friends in Low Places, the perfect karaoke song. Uh, the perfect <laughs> Thunder song. Rolls is the first song I ever karaoke at a travel wow. soccer uh, travel soccer game to Alabama. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. That's nice. the place to do it. Uh, it was all very reluctant. We were very shy uh, preteens. No one and unanswered prayers is, you know, country schlocky, but I'm sorry, really, still a really good song and a great sentiment. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. it. I love it so much. It's... And I love Garth Brooks. And I think Diana labeled this. In addition, obviously, the success of Garth Brooks is we're seeing a, sh- a massive shift in musical taste. And mm-hmm. Diana highlights and a lesson in rock subgenres uh, at the moments they change. Oh, goodness. Uh, look at these are these would all be in the same section of the Sam Goody, but couldn't be more different. Detonator by Rat, Persistence of Time by Anthrax, Ritual de lo Habitual by Jane's Addiction, and Facelift, the debut of Alice in Chains. And yep. I, I just don't remember I wasn't I wasn't as into music at the time, but like I don't remember there being subgenres for this. This would all be on MTV this Rocks is... rock block. Like how? Who could like all four of these things? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're all technically rock, mm-hmm. but we're we're seeing the shift. We're heading out of what we'd call like hair metal mm-hmm. and into what we we would call grunge. Mm-hmm. With mm-hmm. with some do with you know, there's some crossover and it's like the 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 amoeba is separating slowly. Yeah, it's crazy to look at just because it's 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 the hair metal mixed with uh well I'd say anthrax is just sort of regular metal and yeah. Jane's addiction is like like California surf rock and just your sort Seattle of, fucking sort of but darker yeah well I, I yeah. Was arty art rock and then fucking just the perfect poster boy for grunge Alice in Chains Jesus yeah. Christ um, so it was it was a tough call on what to go out with because yeah facelift by Alice in Chains has Man in a Box which is one of the first what we'd call grunge songs that I ever heard and still fucking rules but I gotta go with Thin Cut Stealing by Jane's Addiction because again this song is so fucking fun and so is the video and the video MTV great. loved this video they played it so much because it is so much fun I, I remember this video was being played in regular rotation for years after the, this out like the band was broken up and w- couldn't have promoted anything and the video aired all the time it was so annoying uh, but, <laughs> but let's close out with Ben Caught Stealing by Jane's Addiction. But stay right there, people, because we're about to go into the year 2000. Do you like Video Game Apocalypse in 302010? Well, the LaserTime Patreon has figured out a way to combine the two. Over at patreon.com slash lasertime, we've taken a month's worth of 302010's games from 30, 20, and 10 years ago and grabbed the hosts, Michael Raparez and Matthew Allen from Video Game Apocalypse. And with our combined three decades plus in the games industry, we found a great way to take a deep dive into the biggest gaming anniversaries of the month. Here's a recent sample. Moving into the things that have absolutely solid release dates for 1990. On July 12th, Nintendo publishes a little game called Final Fantasy in America. I think mm. uh, almost like uh, almost three years after it, this is published in Japan and already a already a bona fide phenomenon. Yeah, yeah. this is a few months after Final Fantasy 3 came out in Japan. The thing named after their literal last shot, their Final mm-hmm. Fantasy, already yep. would have gone out of business and they... Uh... I, I can't remember, but did this take hold right away? Yeah, I bought this game when it came out, largely due to months of Nintendo Power hyping it up. Yeah. yeah. Didn't really know what an RPG was, didn't know what to expect. Like, I don't either, but I want to find Warmech on that bridge. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
Uh, do you guys remember the uh, Final Fantasy Treasure Quest in Nintendo Power? No. So uh, it was, yes. a, yeah, I think Michael does because he mentioned the Warmech thing earlier. But uh, yeah, yeah, it, uh, there's like three issues of Nintendo Power, I think, where uh, basically it like asks you trivia questions about the game. And if you send in the, the correct answers, you, you're part of a sweepstakes for different prizes. First prize got to go on some like tropical treasure quest vacation. Like they took friends and you know larped basically before we had that oh. term. <laughs> um, and uh, I won. I won second prize in this, which wow. was uh, which was a uh, basically a shirt that said Final Fantasy Treasure Quest, which I never wore because it was so geeky. The other thing was a fanny pack. Full of doubloons, chocolate doubloons. So, in addition to weekly bonus shows, over 100 movie commentaries, exclusive specials, you can get the 30 2010 Video Games Edition, celebrating a month of important gaming milestones every single month at patreon.com slash lasertime in exchange for just five bucks. And you'll support all of the Laser Time shows, including Video Game Apocalypse, right, guys? Yay! Welcome to 2000, everyone. It's a little hard to tell because it's Janet Jackson, and she's, she's very she's working a lot in the multiple decades, but it uh, doesn't really matter. It's number one this week because it's this Janet song, Jackson. This song is like brain candy. Like, it just, <laughs> it sounds, it just sounds so delightful, and it just sounds like colors and like watermelon candy. Like, that's what it sounds like to me. I just right. love it. Yeah, there's something, I can't put my finger on it, but it sounds sugary. Yeah, it's effervescent. <laughs> Yeah, the, yeah. the video is good it. accompaniment if you haven't seen it in a while. Lots of smiles from Janet. It's nice to see her not so serious. Uh, welcome to 2000, everyone. August 21st to the 27th. Other music releases include uh, the eclectic Two Sides to a Book uh, by Wyclef Jean, uh, Liverpool Sound College by Paul McCartney, Broke by uh, Head P.E., LD50, the debut of Mudvayne, uh, and Young World, the Future by Lil Zane uh, is all out this week. Welcome to 2000, everyone. Have to bring you in some bad news. Ellen yes. DeGeneres and Anne Heche officially separate. Oh, Anne Heche got out while the going getting was good, basically. <laughs> 20 years before the getting was good. Yeah. Did you see, I, I just happened to see they like cornered her for a response on Ellen's, the Ellen expose. Ellen's not, not very nice. And she's like, what do you think about that? And like, we haven't talked in forever. But look, man, she's going to walk her own walk. And everyone's like, what the fuck does that that's, mean? That's what are you talking about? We thinking. That's, that's not the <laughs> response we wanted. That's worse than no response. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 2020 has been buck wild, but Ellen DeGeneres going down in flames as a really mean person is not the turn I was expecting, but I've been enjoying no. it. I'm not going to lie. She, I mean, I, I've like, people have been talking for years about how she's a very mean person, so kind of enjoying all of it come to light. <laughs> uh, movies of 2000 hopefully star nicer people. And in most cases, yes. Uh, I don't know. I can't vouch for Cherry Falls starring Brittany Murphy, Jay Moore, and Michael Bean. Jesus all Christ. All right. So, 
yeah, the 2000s, we have a bunch of kind of smaller movies that turn out to be really interesting and a couple of big movies that are boring as fuck. Mm -hmm. But Cherry Falls, I had trouble searching for it. Um, it didn't come out uh, theatrically in the U.S., but a lot of diehard horror fans seem to really like it. It's sort of like a hidden gem because it's a teen slasher movie that knows it's a teen slasher movie. Like a lot of places, they, they compared it to Scream. A lot of them said it was smarter than Scream. They thought it was very clever because it's about, uh, you know, this town, the ser serial killer seems to be going after virgins and the teens are dying and oh no. And then the teens do something that I think is freaking brilliant. If I found myself living in a horror movie, they say, okay, this guy's targeting virgins. Let's bang. Let's have, let's have an orgy. <laughs> they do that. They're like, we're going to have an orgy. So none of us are virgins. And we all know no one's virgins anymore. And we'll just fuck this guy and just take him out at the legs. Ha ha. Wow. It's like that. That's hilarious. I, wow. Wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm really mad that I couldn't find this to actually watch it. Cause also I love Brittany Murphy and I love Michael Bean. And yeah, the reviews, I mean, it, it got, Originally it got NC-17 too for violence and then it got chopped down, but got a international theatrical release, did okay there and mostly just fun horror huh. reviews, man. And Jay Moore's in there somewhere. <laughs> and and so, Jay Moore's also and there. Jay Moore. Yeah. So again, put in the comments, Cherry Falls. Yeah. Have you heard of this? Let us know. It sounds, it's, it sounds really interesting and I want to find it now. Yeah. Lasertimepodcast.com. We do appreciate your comments. Um, didn't we talk about one of these movies last week? Uh, the crew, where the no. uh, the old movie, yeah, we did the space cowboys horse shit, where they mm -hmm. just like uh, they, yeah. they old man Avengers movies. Richard Dreyfus, Burt Reynolds, Seymour Cassell, Dan Adea, Carrie Ann Moss. Well, that's one of these things, not like the other. Jeremy Piven and Jennifer Tilly. Yeah, the crew. For four retired gangsters, gentlemen, live here. Define live. Being out of the life. Special orders do upset us. Was killing them. I want you to whack somebody. Nobody's gonna whack nobody. The crew is good fellas meets grumpy old men. You said the good times were gonna last forever. I thought we'd be dead by now. There's nothing like a little action. Let's get lucky. It looks more like my blue heaven meets grumpy old. <laughs> <laughs> Retire gangsters doing it again. Uh, and uh, by the way, all a bunch of actors who were not known for playing gangsters at all. Maybe mm. Dan Hedaya. Um, I was going to say, if any of them, Dan Hedaya seems like the one. I mean, he did play Nixon. <laughs> Aha! Uh, a little shout out, shout out to the dick. I like it. Um, yeah. Oh, also, we, we skipped one, another one I don't have a trailer for that oh, is yeah. a, kind of a hidden gem of a movie. Oh, Happy, happy Accidents, Sorry, starring yes. Marissa Tomei and Vincent D'Onofrio. One week off of the cell. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now we want him, now we get him in a rom com. Wow. Um, but yeah, this is another one where it's like, it's not for everybody, but mm -hmm. for some people, it's just perfect because it is a romantic comedy, except Vincent D'Onofrio is from the future. Yeah, so I actually couldn't get through this. I rented it from my, I borrowed it from the library, and um, it like it, maybe it's just me, but there's only so much of Vincent D'Onofrio weirding around that I can really take, you know. Like, mm. and I know in this context, like he's supposed to be a time traveler from the future, so that explains his quirks. But honestly, I mean, he always plays some sort of weird Z guy, like so. <laughs> 
I just, it's one of those movies that I, I couldn't get through it because I just could not buy that Marissa Tomei, potentially one of the top three most beautiful women on this planet, like, mm-hmm. is still pursuing this super weirdo who, like, keeps doing creepy things that creep her out all the time. Like, it's just, I don't buy it. And I could not get into it for that reason. Mm. I mean, yeah. So, I don't know. It was not for me. I admit I did not go back and watch it. I remember seeing it 20 years ago and being like, it's it's like the definition of, that's a cute little movie. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't feel the need to go tell everyone about it. But I ended up being like, oh, okay. That was fun. And in uh, a movie I did see and hated, a friend dragged me to this one. Uh, Michael uh, Bean again, uh, Donald okay. Sutherland, James Hong, uh, yeah. Hiroyuki uh, Tagawa, uh, Mori, Ch- I almost said Culkin, uh, Ann Archer, and of course, Wesley Snipes. The Art of War. For a spy who's been betrayed, there are lines to be crossed. I've been set up. Rules to break. Who is this man? And a reason to fight back. Wesley Snipes. What goes around, comes around. (laughs) Art of War. Uh, I'm I'm happy to say the the Sun Tzu uh, book finally overtook it in the SEO. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can't. You have to. You have to click disambiguation before you can see Wesley Snipes' art of war. I don't remember anything about this, but it felt like one of the biggest, most annoying movies in the world. But it looks like it didn't make that much money. No, I. It's just it was so generic. Mm-hmm. It just felt so generic. Where it's like, you know, he's a spy cop, and then a guy. Oh no, James Hong got assassinated, and now there's stuff with bad Asian guys and trickery and infiltration and it's like it's kind of a cop movie kind of a little bit of a spy movie and it's just no the important thing is james hong deserves a star on the walk of fame please donate <laughs> oh yeah I yeah saw Dan- daniel day cam is pushing for that and yeah, uh, awesome. i can't agree harder james hong is a treasure i quote him from wayne's world too almost every day very yeah. well, if that is your custom. <laughs> <laughs> um, Art of War. Come it, on. It's Come some... on. He's one of the best bad guys of all time in uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. I love him. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and best Mater D uh, in Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I was going to say. That's where I know him from. Yeah. And um, Yeah. But I'm kind of surprised it's not number one because it's sort of a big generic action movie that people I, would like. I'm a little shocked that the next one reached number one. I thought I remembered this. Really? Because you, know, you can't contend with teenage girls. Come no, no, no. I, I just thought I remembered this being like this needing like help people to champion it. Whereas Art oh. of War, I remember seeing it number. I remember it being number one at the box office. I mean, and, I would. So we're talking about Bring It On. Yeah. Which oh, by I the remember. way, Art of War has two straight to video movies, one of which has Wesley Snipes. Ten years later, yes, and that the but the undisputed king of straight to video sequels. Yeah. Boom. Bring It On has six. Yes. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, other than American Pie, I can't think of anything made in my lifetime. Other than Land Before Time, with more straight to video sequels. Air Bud. I think oh, Air that's Bud right. The, the, mm. How could we forget Air Bud? I know. Sixteen movies strong. You count the Snow Buddies. Uh, but number one of the box office: Kirsten Dunst, Elijah Dushku, uh, Jesse Bradford, and Gabrielle Union. Uh, and bring it on. Two teams with two different styles. Are about to compete for one championship. Come on, let's go get it on. Bring it on, baby. I'll bring it. Can we just 
just beat these buffies down so I can go home. We might have to have a rumble. Bring it on. I don't know. Oh, if, boy. Is that Vanga Boys in the soundtrack? I can't even tell. Probably. Bring mm. it on. Jock Jam, certainly. <laughs> this so this movie was huge when it came out like it was because and i was right in the age group i mean 2000 this would have been uh my 15th birthday week basically and so i was like you know a sophomore in high school and it it took over everything where I was from. And I mean, like I, I went to a very sportsy high school, you know, so I think that was probably part of it, but it missed me, honestly. Like yeah. I never really, because I think I was, I mean, I was always a little like too weird to be a cheerleader and I was like really into my, you know, ballet and point shoes. And so there was always like that clash between the cheerleaders and the real dancers. Mm. Um, so, so did, did you agree with this movie that cheerleaders are just dancers who've gone R word? <laughs> yeah. So there's there some... was a trailer where they used that R word. That's cool. That's yeah, cool. Not, not no, cool. no good. And and also, so I saw this later on, and then I rewatched it again uh, this past weekend to refresh myself because this movie is deaf. It, Many places I see it's part of the queer canon. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I never really got that so much besides the fact that, like, you know, there's lots of beautiful girls with friendships. Uh, <laughs> and a lot of times that gets brought into the queer canon by default. Um, there is actually, though, like a very prominent character who is bisexual. And when I went back and I was reading some of the reactions to this, there are so many people who are writing about how Les, the guy who is a bisexual cheerleader in this in the movie, was huge for them huge for them like that sort of bi representation which is still a problem we still don't get a lot of bi representation these days um but it certainly in 2000 was basically practically non-existent especially bi representation that's not presented as a weirdo problem like oh bye like we're just like yeah this guy's bi now I do have to say that the way that his bisexuality is presented is <laughs> by Elijah Dushku saying to him, oh, you speak F word. And I'm not saying I'm not talking about the word fuck. Um, <laughs> there are there are several F bombs dropped in this movie that made me extremely uh, I don't love. Let's just mm. put it that way. Um, this isn't even right at all. Yeah. And some sometimes, yeah, I noticed that too. Sometimes they were dropped and it was clear that it's like, this is a bad person saying a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's a bully calling someone the F slur. And mm-hmm. every now and then it was like, mm. there was like one or two. I was like, oh, wait. Mm. If yeah. I can deal uh, with it in Monster Squad, you can deal with it and bring it on. Uh, <laughs> all right. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those where it's like, okay, I understand, but I, I wish it wasn't there. So well, this is another one that I never saw before. Oh, so I watched this because I knew it was part of the queer canon a bit, but I was sort of like, you know, because it's about like, there's a certain amount of bitchy girls clawing their way to the top. But uh, I was really surprised how much I liked it. Mm-hmm. That it's a lot smarter than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. It is. It's, it's actually got like, there's a bit of satire in there. And there's also, really, the movie's about cultural appropriation. I know. That that was not expected. (laughs) Especially because that trailer is absolutely wrong when it says, Mm -hmm. like, two teams with two different styles. False. It's about 
how one team is stealing the style from another team. And, it, and I mean, like the crux of the story is that, you know, Chris, Kirsten Dunst becomes the new captain of her cheer squad in her high school. And then as they're getting ready to go to Daytona beach for their mm. cheer squad championship, national championship. Yes. She finds out that, Oh, their entire routine that they've been practicing that was passed down from the previous cheer captain was stolen from a, inner city high schools cheer squad who you know was mainly made up of black women who never was able to get to nationals because it's fucking expensive and they just never had the funding and so she discovers that and it goes through like her journey of like we've got to start over and da, 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 da. it's yeah it says a lot about cultural appropriation that i was very very impressed and surprised by yeah and then uh, what impressed me even more was that once uh, Kirsten Dunst's character realizes, like, we've been, we we didn't really earn our championships because we've been stealing from other people. And she finds out, oh, you know, the East Compton High School, they can't, they don't have the money to go to the championship. She becomes their big supporter. She's like, mm -hmm. we want you to go. We want you to do your thing. We'll get money for you even. And and then East Compton is like, I don't need your reparations. And it's sort of like, mm -hmm. dude, take their reparations. Yes, just take it. What the fuck? Yeah. But, yeah, but they then they end up yeah, but then they find a different way to go yeah. through their own community support. Mm -hmm. And then there's a whole bunch of cool cheerleading. And then, okay. oh so my gosh. Make this a weekend. Watch, bring it on. Mm. Watch, but I'm a cheerleader. And then <laughs> binge watch the entire series of Cheer on <laughs> Netflix, which is the documentary that just came out like a pre-core, like a couple months ago, uh, about this I think it's a junior college or community college in Texas who they are like the national champions of cheerleading. And it is fucking amazing. Like it's so <laughs> hardcore. It follows them as they're like going along, like learning their routine. And I mean, the athleticism and the like just mentality of these like, you know, young people, teenagers, basically, it's just astounding. It's really a fantastic, fantastic docu-series, and I highly recommend it. Make a whole weekend out oh, of it. I just wanted to shout out, uh, Bring It On is the uh, feature debut of Peyton Reed. Mm -hmm. uh, I just, everything I watched as a kid and uh, up to an adult, man, that guy's had a long career from the Weird Al show to Disney remakes of The Love Bug and Computer War Tennis Shoes to Mr. Show and Upright Citizens Brigade. Um, Damn. And uh, this is his movie debut, and, you know, he's the Ant-Man guy now, but... Yeah, then he went on to direct yeah. Ant-Man, which was just crazy. Yeah, which is lovely, and I, I know Ian Roberts from UCB as a cameo in here. Oh, so. yeah, he's he's really, really funny. Um, yeah, well, I just... Yeah, I mean, just so much. It was like the fact that it was so much smarter than I was expecting. I was really expecting a slobs versus snobs kind of movie, and they're the best cheer squad. And oh no, this other cheer squad. And then they compete, and then they win, happy winning. And <laughs> at plus the same time, where it's like, uh, oh, there's a cute guy. Oh, but you're a cheerleader. Oh, I don't know. And uh, I guess we're in love now. And it 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 knows all those cliches, and it deals with them appropriately. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there was like I, I don't give a shit about cheerleading, but I do like I do like seeing people who are good at doing something do mm -hmm. that thing. So mm -hmm. there's a bunch of dancing, there's a bunch of Fosse references. I appreciate that. Yes, yes. Um, they mm -hmm. they get some inspiration for the routine from the rich man's frug from Sweet Charity. <laughs> Much respect. <laughs> I guess my one thing is it opens with this cheer 
that is so satirical that I mm -hmm. kind of wish it could keep that tone the rest of the movie because they really are playing with this idea of cheerleaders as being eye candy mm -hmm. that is sort of like, you know, we're sexy little girls, but we are not whores. And it's like, oh my God, if they did that the rest of the movie, this would be my favorite movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it needed maybe a little bit more of an edge to edge it in towards like drop dead gorgeous territory. Just a tiny bit, yeah. but I appreciate, I, I'll take it on its own. Mm -hmm. that, yeah. yeah, I was so pleasantly surprised. Even if you think like, I don't want to watch some dumb cheerleading movie. I had a really good time. Mm -hmm. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. And I again, I recommend Cheer, the docuseries on Netflix as a pairing because it is it really shows you the athleticism and it's pretty amazing. Mm. And also, uh, Gabrielle Union is so good yeah. in this. She is really good. She's fantastic. <laughs> and she's also like everyone else who is in like all the teenagers are like, yeah, like 19, 20. I think I saw like Gabrielle Union was like in her mid to late 20s, like playing a mm. teenager. It's like, yeah, man, she looks amazing. And uh, yeah. moving into television of 2000, August 21st to the 27th, um, I'll come back to the, the second annual Teen Choice Awards. But first season of Survivor ends uh, with Richard Hatch winning the $1 million and the 2000 Pontiac Aztec. <laughs> <laughs> Walter White's car. Um, I was shocked to find out that 60 million people tuned into this and like all oh, of a yeah. sudden, like every, the reality show movement made a lot more sense. That is, mm -hmm. that is approaching. That's a, that's like 10 million shy of friends finale. Uh, not really close to Seinfeld's finale, but it's that more people watched that than like pretty much any show you've ever liked that has ended in the last 20 years. Uh, survivor. Who knew? I didn't, yep. I, I didn't know it was that yeah. big. And it was like one of those things, too, where it was kind of a big deal because Richard Hatch was kind of the villain, right? Mm -hmm. Like he was like a mean guy from what I remember, like reading about the news stories. Like he wasn't really well liked, but he just kind of – he survived. He yeah, like clawed his way to the end, which was I think definitely ushered in this new archetype that we had not really seen before yeah. necessarily. Well, that, that was sort of like the the memed thing that came out of it was, was uh, you know – as, as they're voting, the one person saying, like, Richard's a snake, and what's her name is a rat. And as it should be, the snake should eat the rat. And it's like, oh. Yeah. Fun. <coughs> yeah, if I wanted to see people uh, getting sweaty and bitching at each other, I'd move back to the dorms. Boom! Ooh. Sick burn. Thank you. <laughs> and and uh, also, too, he eventually got into some real bad tax trouble, apparently. Yep. yep. Happens to a lot Oopsies. of people when they receive a million dollars out of nowhere. Uh, anyway, uh, on HBO this week, the TV movie The Last of the Blonde Bombshells airs with Judy Dench, Ian Holm, and Leslie Karen. I have never heard of this, but it's apparently on HBO Max. It is on HBO Max right now. It is adorable, and uh, your parents probably like it. It's about this all-girl band during World War II, and uh, Ian Holm is hiding out with them dressed as a woman, because also I love some like it hot. But then like them all sort of reuniting as their older and they're now judy dench and leslie caron and ian holman it's very cute oh yeah it's really cute okay and uh and then on the 22nd we get the second second annual teen choice awards it's two years old mm. Damn. uh teen choice awards broadcast on fox there was no designated host but freddie prince jr in <laughs> Introduce the show. This is very 2000s. Oh, very 2000s. I just saw a commercial with Freddie Prince Jr. and uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar. It's the first time mm -hmm. I've seen 
FPJ in quite some time. He just basically quit acting, right? He's, he's doing a lot of voice acting, occasionally okay. writing for wrestling. Got it, got it. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, nothing's more 2000s than live performances from 98 Degrees and B.B. Mac, but also no oh, doubt man. in Enrique Iglesias. Uh, yeah. Uh, and guess what? Freddie Prinze Jr. wins Teen Choice Movie Actor down to you, and I'm calling bullshit on the rest of these awards. Mm-hmm. Nobody saw that fucking movie. Are you, they're not going to give it to Tom Cruise or even Jason Biggs from American Pie. These are all nominees, by the way. Leonardo or DiCaprio Ben Affleck from Reindeer Games. Yeah, no, 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 no. This is not true. They voted Julie Roberts for Aaron Brockovich. That I can see. Um, That's fine. Uh, cho- choice drama movie, The Sixth Sense. Okay, sure. Austin Powers gets comedy. Uh, choice villain Mike Myers. Breakout star Haley Joel Osment, of course. Uh, movie chemistry, David Arquette and Courtney Cox Arquette in Scream 3. Mm. I like how... Mm. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I thought we were about to say the same thing. Yes, that under yes. choice movie chemistry, Jason Biggs is nominated alone. <laughs> For his reverse cowgirl on a pie. <laughs> uh, choice movie hissy fit? What? And uh, it goes to Lisa Kudrow for hanging up. Definitely a movie what that the fuck no is hanging up? saw. And, and when the fuck did Joan Cusack have a hissy fit in Toy Story 2? That didn't happen. Or John no. Cusack in High Fidelity. Yeah. The whole movie is a... <laughs> all of High Fidelity is a hissy fit. Yeah, yes, I suppose. Uh, mm. Choice movie. This is ridiculous. Movie liar. Summer summer movie wipeout. What the fuck does that even mean? And scary movie wins best movie this summer. This is. I'm not reading anymore. <laughs> Teen. The teens shouldn't be allowed to choose anything. Uh, All right. Well, let's just say for TV, drama is Dawson's Creek and comedy is Friends. And okay. there's nothing more 2000 than those choices. Very much. Very much. Uh, 2000 in video games, Age of Empires 2, the Conqueror's expansion is out, as is Dragon Quest 7 in Japan. Again, we'll go more in depth on that. Patreon.com slash laser time. But let's take us out of 2000 uh, with Wyclef Jean uh, doing 911 featuring Mary J. Blige. I read that all in a different order, but I'm sure you can get it. 911 is the song. We'll, we will see you guys once again in 2010. This is the kind of love that the old. What used to warn me about Man, I'm in trouble I'm in real big trouble I need y'all to do me a favor Someone please call 911 Pick up the phone, yo Tell them I just been shot down In the bullets in my heart And it's piercing through my Mr. Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the week of August 21st through the 27th, another one of my easiest picks ever because 70 years ago this week, August 25th, 1950, saw the release of Akira Kurosawa's Rashomon. We talked about Kurosawa in the 1990 segment. Uh, Here's what he was doing. 40 years before, uh, you get to see why he is a goddamn master director. Rashomon is the story of three people and a crime. Or maybe you don't remember it that way. Ah-ha! Because the Rashomon effect is named after this movie. It really is a story about a man, a woman, and a bandit being told by some other characters. And we find out, like, oh, there was a crime, but every one of them remembers it differently. And who is really trustworthy in this is the narrator himself trustworthy? I don't know, but it's just 
God damn, like, I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to say. Uh, I mean, it's got Toshiro Mifune, who worked with Kurosawa a jillion billion times. Uh, they work amazing together. He's always good, especially when he's being bad, as sort of uh, a bandit who's a little bit unhinged, but also kind of scary, but also kind of not. And um, yeah, it's got beautiful black and white cinematography. It is distinctly Japanese. It's got a beautiful score that's very minimalist. And um, yeah, if you haven't seen Rashomon, you should totally check out Rashomon, guys. It's a decent entry point into Kurosawa, I'd say. You know, it's not too long. Uh, it's nice and clear cut. Not a lot of characters to keep track of and uh, stays interesting from start to finish. So that's it for this week. Stay classic. Come in close, girlfriends. It's Bittersweet by Fantasia off of Back to Me, uh, bringing us into 2010. I have never heard this song in my life. Um, no. Welcome well, to 2010. She's, she's an American Idol winner. I was really, I, I mean, this was the first hit off of that, but I was so close to coming in with a song off the same album called Collard Greens and Cornbread, which is just a straight Motown song. Oh, nice. Love it. She is, is also, so uh, she's also Walt Disney's third movie. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Moving on to the music of 2010, August 21st and 27th. Uh, Serving the Void by the Claxons is out. Harmony by Never uh, Never Shout Never. Uh, Happiness by Hertz. Uh, Light Me Up by the Petty Reckless. And Teenage Dream by Katy Perry. Love the Way You Lie yeah. by Eminem featuring Rihanna is still number one. Is this the, is this the yeah. dawn of Katy Perry? Uh, yeah. Well, we've she's hit number one a couple times oh, right. now before mm-hmm. the LP even comes out. And she's going to hit another couple times. So not playing anything off of Teenage Dream because we've already played a lot of it. And there's more to come. You're goddamn no. right. Yes. All right. Everybody clear out. I'm going to try and pronounce Tiger Woods' ex-wife's name. All right, a little bit of news to bring you into 2010, August 21st to the 27th. Ellen Nordigren. Hmm? Nice, nice. Ah, ah. And Tiger Woods divorced after six glorious years of marriage. I really thought they were going to make it. Uh, and uh, I, is that that because he was cheat? He's a cheaty weedy. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it, I, I only this remember. Is a- we're like almost a year post him Thanksgiving weekend, like getting in a car accident and her going after him with the golf club. And there was more. T- <laughs> I'm only remembering because very um, dramatic. Uh, if you remember, EA's golf game was called Tiger Woods, like Madden. And after all this, they removed his name, and it's just PGA Tour. So yeah. dumb. I'm sorry. That's such bullshit. It does seem like like, like he was canceled before canceled, and like oh for that. Cheating <laughs> uh, in your marriage? Who cares? Mm-hmm. Uh, All right. And uh, True Blood stars Stephanie Moyer and Anna Paquin marry, and they are still together to this day. Aww. Stephanie Moyer? Se- That's rude. Stephen Moyer? What? Yeah, Stephen Moyer. You said Stephanie Moyer. Oh my That's bad. Rude. I'm an idiot. Uh, <laughs> You're thinking of Stephanie Meyer, who wrote Twilight. <laughs> I'm thinking, yep. no, I'm thinking of a certain listener out there, Stephanie. She knows who she is. This one goes out to her. I, I hope, I hope the audience believes that. <laughs> uh, Centurion uh, is a movie that's out. And as we jump into the movies of 2010, Dominic West, uh, McNulty, uh, Michael Fassbender, and Olga. Oh goodness, Curry Lenko. I, I think I did it. Yeah, uh, pretty much. Yeah, uh, yeah, we got uh, a movie about uh, 
Roman soldiers in Britain uh, back, you know, 2000 years ago. And there's a bunch of running amok in the mud and fighting against like Celts who are fucking crazy and people are getting murdered left and right. It was kind of gory. I mean, I do like uh, period action movies in, and I have a soft spot for Roman related stuff, especially Roman Britain. Cause I've been to Hadrian's wall, but a lot of the reviews were sort of like, well, this was gory as fuck. Uh, why? It looked very gray, you know, yes. like just blue slate, slate gray and blue basically, but you can find it on Tubi and Pluto. If that is your desire. Tubi and Pluto. Uh, <laughs> I always take Michael Fen Fassbender in a miniskirt. I'm fine with that. So. Yeah. Ooh, girl. How many is that miniskirt? Cause <laughs> you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. It is a fast bender, if you know what I'm saying. We've all seen nope, it. Nope, I don't know what you're saying. We've all seen Explain it. Explain it. Uh, well, his dick is fast and it bends like all dicks. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Uh, and I think this is Sarah's recommend of the week. Yes. Because very, very rarely does she like, you have to see this movie, which I didn't. But uh, but I meant to because uh, is this, did this win Bob Devon? Is it Oscar? No. Um, no. It okay. didn't win shit. And it's not fair. Boo. We got nominated. Uh, Lucas Black, Sissy Spacek, Bill Murray, and Robert Duvall, and Get Low. I love the title. What can we do for you, sir? I'm after a funeral. Boy, are you in luck. Solid pecan. Steel handles. Whatever you want. Party. A what? A funeral party. And I want to be there. You will be, I guarantee. I want to be there now. Alive? You want to have a funeral party while you're alive so you can go? Yes or no? Yes. <laughs> This is not what I thought this was at all. Same here. Like, I, but thought this I... Was, I thought this was crazy hard, I think. I really did. Like, <laughs> story of an aging musician, country musician. No. Nope. So, Diane, did you watch this? I did, uh, on your recommendation. And yeah, yeah, it was not what I expected. But yeah, where is Robert Duvall's Oscar for this? No, he was not nominated. What? Right? This movie is so great. Like, it really stuck in my craw. Like, I could not stop thinking about it afterwards. It was just... So, it's the story of Robert Duvall as this basic... Basically, a hermit, um, you know, in this, like, you know, country-ass town. When do you think this was set? Like, turn of century? Yeah, it looks mm, I would say actually 20s. late 20s, early 30s. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure. Um, and he's basically a hermit. And when he does come to town, he's like a crashy old main guy. And so he goes to Bill Murray as like basically what the trailer says. He wants to have his funeral party before he dies. And he wants everyone who has a story about him to come and tell that story, basically. And then the rest of the movie is about him trying to like – the story of why he is the way he is. And it is so good and such a sweet, like touching film and so well done. So under like understated where it needs to be understated and then funny when it needs to be funny. I absolutely mm -hmm. loved it so much. Yeah. I, I was really surprised with it. I wasn't sure what I was getting into, except mm -hmm. you were like, Oh my God, you have to watch this. And I'm like, okay. And <laughs> Yeah, it's another one that kind of falls under, well, that was a cute little movie. You know, mm -hmm. it's a pretty small movie. It's not like it's got a cast of thousands or anything. It's mostly hinging on Robert Duvall giving, seriously, an amazing, amazing performance. I just, I loved how, because he's a hermit and he never talks to anybody, mm -hmm. like, at the start of the movie, he's barely grunting at people. Mm -hmm. he, he physically can't talk to people. He has, like, forgotten how to do it. And as the movie goes on, he actually starts talking to people and spending time with them and answering the questions of why is he doing this and 
you know, it's like it seems like everyone in this town hates him. Why is he inviting him over for a party? They're only going to tell mean stories about him beating people up. And you start to just get to know him better as he's like starts to like become more of a person again. Yeah. It was really good. And I was shocked to find out that Robert Duvall and Sissy Spacek had never been in a movie together. Wow. It does seem like an oversight. I mean, you get to a certain age in Hollywood, you kind of yeah. are in a movie with everyone. Like, Someone's got to play like, Ben Stiller's grandparents. Was she in Tender Mercies? Or no, no, no. And they, wow. they work so well together. And, yeah. and Bill Murray plays a uh, funeral director who, you know, he's in this small town. He's from the big cities in a small town. Just people aren't dying fast enough for him. <laughs> so he's got to find a way. Like, he's desperate to make money. And all of a sudden, this cash cow of Robert Duvall comes in and is like, I want this huge party. And so to watch Bill Murray, you know, play off of that is so good. And I don't know. I thought it was – I thought about it a lot after it was done. I think it talks it, – it really stuck in my craw because it's it's – a movie about the way that you touch other people's lives and the things that you leave behind when you die and um, what is worth going back and fixing before you go and what's mm. not worth that and how you make those decisions. Because, you know, obviously there was something that happened that made him become a hermit. I don't want to spoil it because I just think it's such a special movie. I think people should watch it. But, um, but you know, what do you do with that and, and how do you – how do you deal with the things that happened to you and, and the things that you did when you were younger and how do you deal with that before you go? And I just absolutely loved it. I know. Yeah. Probably every it, is a, it is a beautiful movie. By oh the way. The God. cinematography is gorgeous. If you just want to go out into the woods in autumn, it's like, that's the whole movie. Yeah, oh the, my God. If you're sweating it out, like we are here in the South uh-huh. or like Antis and I are here in the South to watch a movie where you're like going into like a cool forest where there are like pine needles mm. everywhere and dripping. <laughs> oh, it looks so nice. The, the director, Aaron <laughs> Schneider is a former cinematographer. Uh, and mm. I see he didn't direct anything until that movie Greyhound that mm. recently released on Apple TV starring and written by Tom Hanks. Uh, that yeah, I, which I, I also watched. Um, you did? Just coincidentally a couple weeks ago. I didn't realize, oh my gosh, this is the same guy. Yeah, Greyhound is uh, it's pretty dang good. Yeah. But you have to really like technical details. Uh. It looks like a movie yeah. for dad. But then, oh, it's totally a movie for dad. But <laughs> a lot of times I mean, those it's, are Diana movies. <laughs> it's so strange. Yeah, but it's, it's also like, it's it's more of a battleship movie than the movie Battleship because okay. there is a lot of like okay there is a there's a German sub out there somewhere and we have really rudimentary radar and we're not sure where he is uh shoot over there and see what happens. <laughs> but oh it is so so technical but I love that. I I love like the realism of the the technical stuff. Greyhound was a, a surprise for me. I actually liked it. Hmm. And it's not too long. It's nice and short and quick. All right. And uh yeah, Get Low too is it's like under 2 hours. Yeah, it was a real sweet little movie. And I think I found it on the Roku channel, which is for free. So go for it, y'all. It's great. Uh, and, That's uh, my recommend. Uh, the Last Exorcism is out this week with Lewis Herthman, Iris Barr, um, and Patrick Fabian. Last Exorcism. Rabbit, I need you to do an exorcism for the soul of my daughter. Bill, can you hear me? Yeah. Good. Nothing to be nervous about. Where is Mel? In the fire. I didn't look into this movie at all. <laughs> Anybody? So I, this? I watched part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, really, I was going to brush it off, and then I saw, like, it's got really good reviews. Yeah. It's one of the best-reviewed movies we're talking about all, all week. So uh, I started to watch it, and it definitely grabbed my attention because it's a, an exorcism movie about debunking exorcisms. And mm. that it's about this preacher who does exorcisms who's fully aware that he's not really casting out demons. He's really calming down mentally ill people. There's huh. some other explanation. He he's he's a grifter and he knows that this the shit is fake and he gets called out for this exorcism and he's like, I'm not doing that anymore because it's stupid and fake. And then what if this one is real? And it's <laughs> it's skeptical the whole time. And I really appreciated that. It was like this is a, a different take on exorcism stuff because usually like everyone's got to believe and there's one guy who doesn't believe and at the end he's like i do believe and that fixes everything and yeah this was it's a postmodern exorcism movie I, yeah. i'm just so distrusting whenever the word exorcism is stuck it's like i said last week exorcist is the highest grossing horror movie of all time and it's just it's shoved into a lot of shit uh, yeah, and I, I tend to like no, thank you. There's only one movie with exorcisms. Anything I'll go see. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, so no, no Last silly. Exorcism. Uh, I feel I haven't finished it because I'm a big old Freddy cat, mm -hmm. but uh, I like the approach. It was, it was pretty cool. Well, hmm. that, so, that was, yeah, I guess horror, horror fans in particular, or people yeah, who really are mad at me about being, <laughs> or people who are mad at me about uh, smashing Exorcist three last week. Chris, <laughs> dumb. Look, I came to bad for Piranha. It's best I could do. I wonder what we think about the next movie because it's number at the box office and it's very rare for a movie to be number one at the box office and like I've never heard of this. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. What was going on this week? Was every was everybody sick that week? Uh, I'll tell you, you might have seen this and forgotten because it is that fucking forgettable. Oh yeah. And the for cast real. seems crazy if only because like on sick of Star Wars, patreon.com slash laser time like Hayden Christensen sort of disappeared after Star Wars and like what happened to that dude and like oh shit he's in this movie with Idris Elba and Paul Walker and Matt Dillon and Chris Brown and T.I. and Zoe Saldana Takers it's number one this week I let you out earlier or what? I guess you guys kind of lost track huh? It's the past I'm here to discuss the future Once in a lifetime job 30 mil Marshall we trust you Trust greed Bet big Win big That's the only way to play August 27th, he wants more than the money. Some plans. Where's the C4? It's in the shed. It's in the shed. It's in the shed. You never see coming. Take him out. Business is business. I never said we were friends. Hey! Takers. Rated PG-13. Takers. Ugh, this movie. I, I did not even bother with it. <laughs> I, I started it last night, could not finish it. Partially, mainly because it's extremely boring and mm -hmm. I could not, mm -hmm. like, keep... Could not keep my attention. Also, because I was like, well, if I'm going to sit through this really boring movie, do I really want to sit through a movie with two notorious shitheads, Chris Brown and T.I.? No, mm -hmm. I don't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what did Chris Brown? I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it does help. Chris Brown is in a, a lengthy parkour sequence where you get to see him get hit by a couple cars in a bus. <laughs> a that kind of redeemed cars. it. That made me feel better. I don't know. Him getting being John McClane like that. Uh, you can only get hit by one car and then stay down for a while. Yeah, well, yeah. is there any is there any scene where T.I. has to go to a urologist so they can check him for his virginity? <laughs> I don't know what T.I. did, apparently. <laughs> a news story that came out uh, maybe last year that apparently mm -hmm. he, since his daughter turned, like, became a teenager, he's taken her to the gynecologist every year to check to make sure she's still... <laughs> what? Who the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, not God. cool, man. Not cool. Oh. No, 
Uh, no, this movie uh, was really formulaic and really boring because they are, uh, you know, they're they're a fancy high stakes robbery crew and they steal all this money and then their buddy who was part of their crew, T.I., but he's got a grudge. He comes out of prison and he's like, I've got another job for you and it's going to, you got to do it really, really fast. And oh no, very violent asshole cop Matt Dillon is on their trail. Timeless. <laughs> so, Timeless. I feel like he always plays that character. <laughs> Yeah, where it's just oh, like the movie opens with him like going on some sort of drug raid that he just sort of randomly decides to go do and then beating on a guy for no fucking reason. And it's like and now he's the detective on this robbery. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. What kind of cop exactly is he? Oh, the violent kind. OK. Not and uh, yeah. So um Please. Right. Someone, someone, tell us job. about takers. I want to know about takers. Uh, couldn't jump on that yeah. bullet though. Mm-mm. Yeah. No, it it was just super generic and super boring, and um, just I and feel another, like I've seen it a thousand times before. It's another one of those movies too that's all in like slate gray and cadet blue. Like it, they, mm-hmm. it just has that like color, like that filter on it that mm-hmm. just makes it like it looks like you're in a club or something at all times. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, uh, this movie for. Looking at luxury goods, it, it rivals Sex in the City, too. There's a lot of time spent on suits and nice chairs and cuts <laughs> and cut crystal and fancy cars. And, oh, it was just so generic. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah, I could have seen this three times. I wouldn't fucking know because it's <laughs> it's just a absolute paint-by-numbers heist movie. Nothing I interesting. Want, I want Idris Elba to continue making prestige television and schlocky erotic thrillers. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. all. That's all I want him to do. And I mean, he could DJ conti- if he wants to, but I keep yeah. forgetting that's Just, part of But only life. over the credits. Do the over the credits papers. But yeah. um, well, also, that's another one of those baffling things about this movie. Like Idris Elba, he's British, so he's got a thick British accent. And they go on this, you know, big robbery and they're all wearing ski masks and he's yelling in his British accent. It's like, well, you just made it a lot easier to find you, bro. Right. That's what I thought. I was like, Maybe don't speak in a British accent because that's going to be the first thing they tell the cops. Right. Yeah, <laughs> the only He's a movie black guy, but he kind of sounded like Michael Caine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's uh, there's probably three of those in the Greater Los Angeles area. All right, let's go bother them. <laughs> Two of them are actually Indian, but we don't care because we're LAPD. We suck. Mm. Oh mm. well, I, it, it's not like well, you know, I, I haven't seen this. There's a Spike Lee movie out there. I haven't seen. It's not just the one on Netflix. Ooh, yeah. And I didn't even know this existed. Uh, when you move into TV, uh, HBO made a sequel to When the Levees Break. What was that movie called? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, When the Levees Break. Yeah. Uh, this is, that came out in 2000, or When the Levees Broke, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, that came out in 2006. This is the follow-up to it. If God is Willing and the Creek Don't Rise. I put in a little bit of the trailer. It's basically kind of a slam poetry about New Orleans, but it's really good. So mm-hmm. I threw it in there. No more nightmares of breaching levees, black waters that did come, murder and drown. No more silence, tea parties, racial division, poverty. Yes, we can. The pavements we will pound if God is willing and the creek don't rise. No more political pushers who use our time to sell their lies. No more sacrificing the American people, leaving us with nothing but sighs. No more corporate all wanting their lives back. Indictment of criminal charges. The whole damn crew. No more use of our Gulf Coast waters, wetlands, heritage, and soil. No more up yours, Louisiana, but we all know there's blood in that BPR. If God is
is wailing in a creek down rise. <laughs> Damn. So good. Like, gives me goosebumps. But, yeah, I can't believe this escaped my uh, it, attention. It won the Peabody. <laughs> yeah, it's, wow. it's supposed to be fantastic. It's basically stories from New Orleans post-Katrina. Um, it goes into, like, the brutality and stuff that happened it at the hands of the New Orleans Police Department. It also follows um, <laughs> when the New Orleans Saints won the Super Bowl, which was like mm-hmm. extremely exciting. So where mm-hmm. I'm from in the Panhandle, we basically we're so close to New Orleans, we basically adopted them as our pro football team. So I'm a huge Saints fan. Love them. It talks about um, the and- displacement because like we remember we inherited some people from New Orleans. Like it was, it felt very far away, but people like permanently got dislocated and just had to stay here. And part of the documentary is like, is what gets foreclosed on, what gets rebuilt. And then going into the BP oil spill that Mm -hmm. also shit all over the Gulf coast. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really, I think this documentary definitely needs to be seen. I'm sorry that I missed it, but it's definitely Mm. on my list. I was also really happy to see that one of the people interviewed in this is Terrence Blanchard, who we just talked about because hey. he was in, he was the one of the consulting musicians on Mo Better Blues, and he's worked with Spike Lee for a really long time. Mm-hmm. So that'll be really cool yeah. to watch. That's so cool. Yeah, I, I watched when the levees broke, and it's yeah. outstanding. And now I feel bad that I haven't seen this one. Yeah, but I, so, yeah. I just in my defense, I couldn't have up. been I couldn't have been further away from having HBO in 2010. <laughs> like we were canceling cable left and right. But I, I do see. On my parents' stolen HBO Max account, it is there, so you can check it out. Uh, there, right. we have HBO Max. God, God willing, and the creek don't rise. If God, uh, if God is willing, the creek don't rise. Same. Uh, be careful; it is two hundred fifty-five minutes. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, all yeah. right. Still shorter than any Ken Burns challenge accepted. It's almost <laughs> as long as this podcast. And <laughs> and uh, moving into the games, uh, we'll touch on them briefly, and of course later on patreoncom time because I really want to know more about Greece the game. Uh, oh, it it's the I thought word. It was the word. It is. <laughs> yes, everybody. It's a mood. It's a feeling. Everybody, do your hand jobs. I I haven't seen the movie, and uh, but it's it's a musical party game. Mafia Two is also out, as is Worms Reloaded, and this is probably going to be a, a lot of the conversation. Scott Pilgrim versus the World. The game is mm. out, Ooh. and uh, somebody clarified if you bought the game. On Xbox, you can still download it, but if yeah, mm. never mind. Uh, and then Fantasy Star Two is out on iOS, and that about wraps up the show. What I want you to stay tuned because we have a quiz for you, real quick, on who was born. But I wanted to just thank our patrons, people, uh, people like uh, Randy Craven and many other fine folks at Patreon.com/LaserTime who make this show happen, as well as every show on the LaserTime Network, um, Video Game Apocalypse, LaserTime, and a bunch of bonus shows like Sick of Star Wars, Bonus Time, where we just it's more of a shoot the shit kind of thing. But we've had a lot of weirdo COVID shows that people have found somewhat interesting, and the 302010 Game Show is up there, as is over 100 movie commentaries and a bunch of tons of podcasts for you uh, featuring people you like, including Diana and Sarah. Thank you guys so much for supporting us. We do appreciate it. And if if you can spare it, we encourage you to help us out. We don't have a lot of advertisements. We are 99% listener supported. We do thoroughly appreciate it. Because it, it sure as hell beats chasing down erectile dysfunction drugs. Uh, <laughs> and Di, where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter at ListenAnerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast, 302010podcast. And let's see, what should we tease for next week? Mm. Uh, We've got 
Oh, we got John Waters is back in what? one of my favorite movies of his, and uh, and also uh, Brad Pitt's gonna ask us if we like Dags. Dags, <laughs> Dags. you know, Dags. Oh my God, an interesting Jim Hensony film. Yeah, well, tune in the, tune in next week. We're here every single week. And now, Diana, who died during this period? Oh, well, yeah, you teased it in the news section because it, it definitely was news. In 1990, that's when we lost Stevie Ray Vaughan. He was 35. He was in a helicopter crash with a bunch of uh, Eric Clapton's entourage because uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan and Double Trouble were opening for Clapton. And then they, they left the venue in Wisconsin in uh, several helicopters and his didn't quite make elevation and crashed. Yeah, I, I just read a bizarre, because I don't really know who Stevie Ray Vaughan is. Uh, oh. Would I know him from, there's a song of his I'd know? Uh, well, we're definitely, we're going to go out with one of his songs. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, like, he was definitely growing in popularity mm. in 1990. That's why it's such a bummer. But he's one of the best guitarists that ever lived. He's yeah. in the Jimi Hendrix mold of great guitarists. Yeah, and it sucks. I gotta tell you. And also, and he's a blues guy. He was like kind of repopularizing the blues with more of a rock flavor for for the '90s, yo. There are a few things I wanted to do more than ride in a helicopter at some point, but I'm kind of running out of running out of that dream is running out, like it's expiring very fast. So many dumb things can happen. Apparently, the venue in Wisconsin they were flying to the Chicago airport. I've been to a couple of these venues and one in California. You ever go to like one that's like on the top of a, a mountain or on a hill or in a vineyard? The mm-hmm. only way to get the artists out, because there's only one road to get there, is to get them out on helicopter. Otherwise, they'd have to wait in the hour and a half line that you do to leave the venue. And yeah, quite tragically, like, uh, yeah, shit, I read more. It, it's not important. But because uh, th- this one, it, it's, it's a sad thing. I didn't mean to say it's not sad. In 2000, someone I deeply care about died. Yep. Uh, yeah, Carl Barks, 19, uh, 99. 99. Yep, ripe old age in 99. Drawing yeah. those ducks kept him alive. Fascinating man. He was known abroad in many different languages as the good duck artist. He was not credited for his work in Donald Duck and <laughs> Uncle Scrooge comics, but even people overseas were like, they could tell when it was Carl Barks because he was really good with story. And uh, with it, with he was an animator who didn't work well with other animators. So Disney kicked him over <laughs> to comics and the Donald Duck comics, where he essentially created Huey, Dewey, and Louie, Uncle Scrooge, and pretty much the entire Duck universe as you know it, currently airing on Ducktales. That's all from the mind of Carl Barks. Huh. Rarely credited for it, and I, th- I think he he was paid. He wasn't paid that much, and spent almost his latter his, his like last twenty years doing official commissions. Of those ducks for a lot of money, so that's if you, if you basically see, cameos of his of make. Well, ducks. I guess if you could hang them in your, I don't know if I'd hang the Bear Margera cameo I got uh, <laughs> up in my house, but I also want to say it's too bad that he wasn't really good at drawing dogs. <laughs> uh, oh come on, um, barks. He, he was the Beagle Boys are I'm dogs. The, worst. the Beagle Boys are dogs. It's fine. Right. And so is Mob Eagle. Uh, but he died at 99 in the year 2000. Man, those were so close to being round numbers. But taking us out uh, with, with after the deaths, we got to count the births. It's time for the birthday quiz. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo. A ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. I've been on a bit of a streak, I'm just going to say. What? You have. You yeah. have. Let's see if you, how you do this week. Okay. I, I'm, I'm worried you have an unfair advantage. Um, you do this every time. Turning turning 50. Look, sometimes only one of you has an unfair advantage. All right? That's true. why it's an unfair advantage. If I think and- Carl Barks 
I know that Chris will get it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and also, if we're talking about unfair advantages, I mean, you do have a penis, so, yeah. in life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can you can pee standing up, and it's not fair. It's not fair. No. Not anymore. No, oh, I like to sit. I like to sit backwards and stick my dick between my legs like a cartoon bee. Oh, reverse cowgirl. Yeah, that's how. It's the only way I can pee now. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with my urethra. There's two holes. It's interesting. Uh, <laughs> Isn't it, the South Park episode? It turns out we've all been using toilets wrong. You're supposed to sit the other way. Nobody tells you, you these nice things. Shelf. You can oh eat my god! Me. I can put my book on it. <laughs> <laughs> you can take a nap. Uh, <laughs> birthday quiz. Anyway, birthday quiz. Turning 50 this week. Born August 26, 1970 in Plainfield, Illinois, to a large Irish Catholic family. Uh, so large, she has two famous cousins. One's a basketball player, one is an actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, she started in stand-up, joined the Groundlings. Since then, she's been named time- one Amy of Times Puller. 100. Nope. Tina Fey. Damn it. No, nope. we already did her. Oh, fuck me. Uh, since then, she has been named to Times 100 Most Influential People and pulled in two Oscar nominations. Melissa McCarthy. It is Melissa McCarthy. Oh, nice. Who's the basketball player? Wow. I guess I'll never know the basketball player. I'm sure uh, it's... Joanne. Her cousin Joanne is a, a oh. pro women's basketball player. I was yep. not thinking mm-hmm. women's pro basketball. Hmm. Someone better check their biases. Related, also related to notorious vaccine denier, Jenny McCarthy. Yep. Jenny McCarthy. Joanne's sister, Jenny. Yep. And mm-hmm. fuck, I Let's lost again. Let's not talk about her. But we have talked about Melissa McCarthy showing up in a bunch of movies that we didn't notice her in mm. or mention her at all. Like Go, she's it's her film debut is in Go. Wow. She's also in Disney's The Kid, Drowning Mona, and The Backup Plan. And in October, we're gonna have to all get out of Sarah's way because we'll be talking about the 20th anniversary of Gilmore Girls. Woo! So excited. Gird your loins. It's gonna be GG talk all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And uh, be sure to check out some of our other shows. We're gonna take you out with uh, Pride and Joy by Stevie Ray Vaughan. Make sure to tell a friend about the show. How about that? Maybe shoot us a review on your favorite podcast a listening device of choice. Uh, thank you guys so much. Thanks to all our patrons. Take us out, Stevie. Boy.